Welcome back to this week's episode of Lazy Boy Coaches. As always, I'm Scott. I'm Alan. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. Yeah? Yeah. The nose healing up just fine? The nose is good. Yeah? yeah. Good. It's tested and proven. It's good to go. Good. Went, went down the perfume aisle. Bad idea. <laughs> At least you can smell it now. Yeah, and I was still breathing like I couldn't like I couldn't smell. So I'm taking big whiffs every time instead of the little gentle, ooh, that's pretty. Well, for me, it's motorcycle weather. Yeah. Not at night, though. No, no, but it's, we're going to be touching 80 degrees here in the next couple of days. Well, we hit 80 today, and then we get back down into the like, low 30s for nighttime. It's like, what the hell is this shit? Yeah, that's yeah, all right. Uh, so, lots of stuff going on in sports. Uh, quite, quite a bit. Um, we got opening weekend of baseball coming up. Um, all kinds of basketball going on. We're down to the final four. Uh, you know, we're, we're still talking our, our top position players in, in the NFL in the upcoming draft. And we're also going to start our uh, mock draft. Uh, we're going to start with the, the top five teams in the draft. And uh, each week we'll, you know, go a little further. Yeah, and unfortunately the first week's can kind of be boring to talk about the draft because... All the same position, pretty much. Right. <laughs> but I, we'll get we'll get to that when we get to the draft and why this is kind of boring right here for the first five picks. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the only really big NFL news right now is, again, the Deshaun Watson case where we are up to 21 charges against him right now. Yeah, and today two more cases were filed in court. So I mean, it's it's going to court. It's either going to be pay him out or you know let the jury decide your fate. But I just don't see how he can be playing if he's going to trial at the same time. No, know? no the the NFL with their their uh, what what am I looking for there? It's uh, in the collective bargaining. Agreement. Right, right. The their disciplinary process won't let him play uh, going through all of this and I don't know we kind of talked about it a little bit last week and this this just seems like a lot like but at the same time it's kind of crazy because at first there was no sign that Watson wanted out and then all of a sudden he wanted out and then he says well if they don't trade me I'll just sit and now he is sitting not by his choice necessarily, but it's just like, I mean, either 21 girls are, are lying, which I would hate to think of that. Like, I don't want to accuse anybody of, you know, false claiming stuff. But it's either that or this dude has a serious issue. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, you also have to go, I'm, I'm a firm believer in where there's smoke, there's fire. So maybe that this is true. I mean... But 21? Yeah, that, that's that's a lot. I mean, that's Donald Trump numbers. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's quite a bit. But, I don't know. I, I guess we'll wait and see where, where it goes. Well, thank God Nova traded for, traded for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, let's uh, let's go ahead and start with our, our top five cornerbacks in this year's draft. I have a feeling all this is going to be completely different. I, I, I agree. It's going to be fun. Um. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and kick this off. All right. Well, 
my number one guy and number one corners on most people's list is Patrick Sertan out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Dude is just a ball hawk. He is always where the ball is, you know, picks the ball off. He's a solid open field tackler. He's not afraid to step in there and make the hit. I mean, he is just, I mean, he's one of the best corners, I, I think, coming out in a long time. You know, there was a guy last year, what's his name? A stud cornerback last year in, in the draft. Um, like Harold or something like that. I'm Yeah, I'm drawing a blank at the moment. Anyways, I mean, Sertan is almost equal to him already. Yeah. So. Um, for me, for number one, I have a guy who opted out of the 2020 season. Um, he, he was a high school quarterback, um, Caleb Farley, from uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, he, he's excellent, excellent in press man coverage. Um, he didn't play his first reps at corner until the 2018 season opener. Um, you know, he, he's got all the talent in the world. Um, you know, coming into the 2020 season before he opted out, he was listed as the number one corner. Um, he, the only thing he really lacks is experience and, you know, he, he needs to work on his route recognition but other than that, he, he's got all the intangibles. He's got everything you could want. The dude's got speed. Oh, absolutely. Lightning quick speed. Like, um, I was watching a video today saying they wouldn't be surprised, you know, if his 40 hit a four two, a high 4-2. Right. He's consistently running 4-3s, and that puts him with any wide receiver. My only thing is, is we haven't seen enough. You know, he comes from Virginia Tech, so it's not like he's seen the best of the best. You know, what's going to happen when, when you stick him up against one of these amazing route runners? You know, I think you can you can coach him, obviously, because he's, he's raw. You know, he's played one year at corner, and that was it. Two. Two years at corner. So you're bringing this guy in, and he is completely raw for you to train him, how you, you know, teach him how you want. But with that being said, at the NFL level, I don't really want a blank canvas. I want to know what I'm getting. I'm going to give you millions of dollars, and I need you to help my team. But 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 by that same token, it's easier to coach up a guy the way you want him if he doesn't already have all these these bad habits. Right. If if this if the raw talent is there and the skills are there, it's easier to coach up a guy that doesn't have bad habits that you have to break down and then correct. Right. But with someone like Farley, like what what I'd want to do with Farley, the ideal situation for him is he gets to set the first couple years as the as a corner. Obviously, he's going to be a kick returner and punt returner. That kind of speed, you're gonna you're gonna see what he can do. Um, so I would start him there and get him behind somebody that, you know, he can play in nickel or dime, but you don't need him every play until you can get you know something on the canvas. I, I think I can agree with that. Um, I, I just think there's enough talent there, raw talent there, to put him as my number one corner in this draft. Let me tell you something about raw talent. There was a quarterback a couple years ago. Had all the raw talent in the year. I chose him to be a sleeper. 
he tripped himself on a 75-yard <laughs> run. So, I mean, okay, raw talent's not everything. <laughs> Danny Dimes doesn't have that much raw talent. He did. When you saw him playing in college, you're like, holy crap, if this can just transfer over to the NFL. And, well, he never ran 75 yards in, at the Combine, so we didn't know. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, number two is where I have Patrick Sertain the second. Um, three-year starter at Alabama. His, his dad was a Pro Bowl player. Um, in 41 career games at Alabama, he only allowed four touchdowns and a 46.1 completion percentage. And you have him number two. Mm-hmm, I do. Uh, you know, it, it was close. It was definitely close. He needs to work on his speed and the his twitch. You know what I'm saying? Like his... His jump on the ball. He's a little over aggressive. Um, he he, you know, sometimes you'll see he'll go for a hit on the receiver, you know, trying to jam him up and he'll miss. But I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not like there was a giant gap between one and two. It was definitely close. Um, but yeah, I, I got him as my number two corner. It's not bad. I mean, I don't have him yet. Uh, I went with J.C. Horn. You know, another son of a football player, which a lot of these cornerbacks, as you go through, you'll see four of the top five of my guys, their fathers all played in the NFL. Um, I just like J.C. Horn, you know. The game against Seth Williams, Seth Williams was targeted nine times, only one reception. So, I mean, that that's showing you what he can do against a high-caliber wide receiver. I've got him a little bit further down my list. I'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, but, you know, he, he's definitely on my list. You know, a lot of the, like you said, a lot of these legacy guys, the guys whose dads played in the league as well. Um, you know, that, that definitely helps. It, you know, A, it's in your genes, and, you know, B, you have access to all of the, you know, equipment and training. and Right, and for JC, you know, his, his dad played wide receiver, yeah. So, I mean, that's an excellent person to practice against. Right. So, um, it's just very solid in the man press coverage, you know. He played 240 plays in man. So, you know, with him, once again, you know what you're getting. It's not a, a questioning game on, is this who I want? Is this what I'm getting? So, that's why I went with Horn at third. Um, third for me, I have uh, Greg Newsom at a Northwestern. Uh, another three-year starter. Um, in, in 2020, he only allowed 10 completions. Of those 10 completions, only one was for more than 10 yards. Um, he led the FBS in passer against, passer rating against at a 15.77. Um, he He's real good at, at breaking up passes, but he needs to transition that into making picks instead of just breaking up the ball. Um, that's something he can learn at the next level, but he he's still a very, very good corner. He has great feet, great agility. Uh, he, he does have a little bit of durability questions, um, but again, that's something that, you know, with the right trainer, the right, you know, uh, the right situation, I think he's definitely one of the top corners in this draft. See, and, and again, I went with Greg Newsom for third as well. Um, pretty much for everything you said. You mean four? You got a horn at three. Yeah, four. Um, 
but I went with him again over Fairly just because once again it's it's a it's a filled in portrait of what we of what you're gonna get you know um, again and once again his his father also played in the NFL um, but yeah I mean for me I'd much rather have a cornerback blocking the pat breaking up the pass and it being incomplete. Than someone going for an interception and it being completed for a touchdown, you know. Right, right, no, absolutely. So as long as he's breaking it, breaking up the passes, I'm like, you know, golden because he's gonna eventually snag one. Right, no, absolutely. So I mean, I think, and you and I are both in the same boat. The only thing that he really, one of the things he really needs to work on is turning those tip passes into interceptions. Right. You know, and once he can do that, it's gonna be dangerous. But again. You know, that's something he can work on as long as the receivers aren't isn't catching the ball, you know? Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, I, I'd, I'd rather have a, an incompletion any day over, you know, if, if you don't get the interception, okay, but it's still incomplete. Right. Um, number four is where I have J.C. Horn. Um, you know, like you said, I, a kid out of South Carolina. He's got real good length, real good athleticism, um, but he tends to be over-aggressive. Uh, he, he's one of those guys where after every single play, he, he looks to the ref to see if there's a flag. Uh, he had quite a few flags, you know, in this last year. And he only had two picks in 2020. Um, so, you know, that's definitely something that needs to be addressed, something he can work on. Um, but, you know, again, it's raw talent. You know, a lot of these guys coming out of college are raw talent. You, you don't, you get very few guys who are day one NFL studs. Right. So I think I think he has the ability, and you know again his dad was a receiver, so his dad can kind of teach him. You know this is what the receiver, this is what it looks like from the receiver's perspective. You know, kind of it's real good to help you if you can see it from the receiver's perspective. So I, I got him sitting at four. At four. Um, at five, I have Eric Stokes out of Georgia. Uh, Two-year starter. Um, he had. Four picks last year and a 38.5 completion percent when targeting. Um, he's got elite, elite play speed. Just, you know, absolute monster. Um, but he needs to work on his play recognition and his transitions. Um, you know, when, you know, in and out of routes, you know, turning on the deep ball, those are things that, that he needs to work on. But again, you know, with NFL trainers, you know, they can help you along and, you know, you can't teach speed. Everything else can be taught. Right. And, you know, that's exactly why I have Caleb Fairley at, at fifth. I felt that was a safe place to put him with him being such a blank canvas. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, at fifth, if, you know, when he gets drafted, he's going to be going later in the round, so he's going to be going... You know, that's where you find your defensive-minded coaches, which is something he's going to need. Um, so I thought I just felt at fifth that was a safe place to put him because uh, the dude could be amazing, but he could not also. We, right. we don't know. And for me, when you have other players that are, you know, close to the same sk skill level but more developed in their skill set, I just... I put them ahead of him, and so I put him at fifth. Um, and I I can respect that. I just I, I like I can see in the footage we do have of Fairly. I can see the raw talent. 
That's why I had him higher up on my list. But right again, it's not like there's a huge, huge gap. No. Um, and the guy that that didn't make my top five, but I still think is going to be a, a very, very good NFL player is Asante Samuel out of Florida. Uh, he's a little on the shorter side, or Florida State rather. <laughs> Sorry, my Florida fans. You don't you don't mix those two schools. Anyway, uh, out of Florida State, he's a little on the shorter side. He's only coming in at 5'10", 185, kind of a, a smaller, you know, corner. But, you know, he was a three-year starter, and, you know, he only allowed two touchdowns in, in 20 games. You know, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, and, again, the only reason, you know, Asante didn't make the top five for me personally is because of his, you know, he is smaller, and right. the receivers we're seeing coming to the NFL today are six four, six five. You know, that, and, right, that's and, a big difference. Right, and not only the bigger receivers, but you know, as a corner, you have to be able to come up and play the run as well. And you know, being on the smaller side, that kind of puts him at a little bit of a disadvantage. But he's, you know, he's still a very, very good corner. So he didn't make my top five, but. You know, it's definitely got to keep your eyes on. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, crazy how many of these people have fathers that played before them. Right, yeah. it's It, it helps. I mean... Makes me feel a little old, though. <laughs> yeah, because we watch their dads play. Right. Um, so, with, with that being said, let's get into our mock draft, the first part of our mock draft. Um, you know... Jacksonville's picking number one. It's really no secret who they're taking. I mean, it's it was tanked for Trevor all year long. Um, you know, they, they, they got a new coach in Urban Meyer. They've brought in a couple of good pieces in free agency. Um, and we all know Trevor Lawrence is going number one. Right. Anybody other than Trevor Lawrence and the entire world will have a collective heart attack. I mean, I, I thought it was, I thought it would have been kind of interesting to see, you know, Myers, Myers and Fields reunited, but. I mean, we, we could have a situation like a couple of years ago where out of nowhere, Baker Mayfield went number one overall. Right, but. But no, I, there, there's, from day one in college at Clemson, Trevor Lawrence has looked pro-ready. Yes. You know, I mean, prototypical size. Got a strong arm, you know. He can be mobile when he needs to. And I, I think the skill level between, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, I think is a pretty big gap. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a quarterback caliber, uh, an NFL caliber quarterback now. Oh, absolutely. You know, Justin Fields, Wilson, they're all going to need a little work. So, if you ask Justin Fields, he thinks he's the best quarterback in the draft, but. What quarterback's not going to say that? Right? I mean, would you want a quarterback to be like, oh, I'm not, I, I would say I'm solid fifth. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I really like Justin Fields, um, but he's definitely not the best quarterback in the draft. Right. I mean, he's a winner, but... How, are you, how can you not be a winner with the team he was on, though? Right. Um, th- there's, other than quarterback, you know, there's... Still quite a few pieces, I think, that the Jags need. Um, they need to rebuild their secondary because, you know, when, when they lost 
Jalen Ramsey and uh, AJ Bouye, and you know they, they lost quite a few dudes in their secondary. They need to rebuild that, but they definitely have to start at quarterback because you know the the mustachioed Messiah, the jorts wearing Jesus Gardner Minshew isn't getting the job done. No, uh, and and they knew that. I mean. They were hoping that maybe he could show some of that fire he showed in like his first three or four games he played, but no, he used all of his miracles then. <laughs> um, number two on the clock is the Jets. Um, you know, I, I would like to see them stick with Sam Darnold and pick up some other pieces here, but I don't see that happening. Um, all signs point to them taking Zach Wilson out of BYU, who, you know, I, I'm on record as saying that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I just, I, I think, you know, he, I've, I don't think he's necessarily the number two quarterback in this draft. Um, I, I've read a whole bunch of stuff on him that he has some leadership questions. And, you know, part of that is he he's had everything handed to him his whole life. He, so it's not that he he doesn't necessarily have the drive and desire that, that some of these other guys have. But apparently the Jets see what they like in him. And see, like, the BYU head coach, he says completely different than Zach Wilson. He says he's a natural-born leader in the locker room, in the weight room. Off the football field, the coach on is the supposed football to go to field. for you, right? I know they're supposed to, but I mean, at the same time, if if he's doing all this, and you know, I, he's got talent. I don't think they're going to go with Wilson. I honestly think this is going to be the shocker, and they go with Fields, just because talent-wise, Fields is number two. You know, because he is a leader. We know he's a leader. He's he's a winner. He he's got good ball release, you know. He's he's mobile, which the NFL is starting to go to that mobile quarterback. I do believe that Justin Fields will be the number two quarterback. If the Jets don't take Zach Wilson here, I can see him sliding a little bit. Uh, if the Jets take Justin Fields, um, I think that's going to throw a wrench in the 49ers' plans. Who the 49ers traded up in the draft uh, and they gave up quite a haul um, they they gave up a uh, the number 12 pick a 2021 third round pick which was their compensatory pick for hiring Robert Sala uh, and they gave up first round picks in 2022 and 2023 um, to the Dolphins to move up to three and I, I think they have every intention of taking Justin Fields at that pick. Yeah, but I mean, also they would be just as safe going up to number three knowing you're either going to get Justin Fields or Lance. Yeah, um, but I, I think they definitely have their eye on Justin Fields. That's why they made that, 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 that trade. And if the Jets take Justin Fields, then I, I can see Zach Wilson sliding a little bit. I can see him even dropping out of the top ten. Um, He'll get that Ben Roethlisberger look on his face sitting there at you know twenty seven, still not picked. No, if he goes too far, then Broncos. Think, yeah, I was gonna say a team like the Broncos will pick him up. Right. Uh, it, but I think if 
if the Jets take Justin Fields, then I can see the 49ers taking Mac Jones. You know, those are two guys that they that they like. Uh, but they and Mac Jones, he's not getting enough love. You know, I mean, I always forget about Mac Jones, and he he was a good quarterback. It's hard not to be when you're surrounded by five star talent. When yeah. every single player on your team is a four or five star recruit, it's hard not to look like a star. And you know, five years just to get there. Right. I mean, he, he how many years did he sit behind? Tua and Hurts, uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts and yeah. So, but yeah, if if Justin Fields is gone at number three, then I can see the 49ers taking Mac Jones. But I, I definitely think uh, that the 49ers are eyeballing Justin Fields. Um, the Falcons are at number four, and you know I think this is going to be a historic year. I think we're going to see four quarterbacks. Taking one, two, three, and four. Uh, because I think the Falcons are going to take Trey Lance uh, from North Dakota State. Uh, you know, kid's mobile. He's got a pretty damn good arm. I think they will sit him a year behind uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, but I think that's their succession plan is to, to take Trey Lance. See... If Trey Lance is available, I say they take Trey Lance. If Trey Lance isn't available, Zach Wilson, you know, Wilson would not be a horrible fit in Atlanta. It kind of gives them the same thing they had with Matt Ryan, but at the beginning of Matt Ryan's career, they they were winning. You know, it's not like he doesn't have, you know, already leaders on that team, you know, so he doesn't really need to step up into that leadership role. So, I mean, that's good for him. And... He could even, but if he if it's Wilson, he'll always sit till week ten, and then it'll be a two situation all over again. You know. Yeah, uh, I think so. But I, I I can definitely see, you know, the top four picks being quarterbacks. All four of them need a quarterback. I mean, the Niners is a quarterback question mark because we've seen how good Jimmy Garoppolo can be. Jimmy Garoppolo got him to the the Super Bowl. But then he dropped the ball, you know. So I think I think right now Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starter on day, on day one for the Niners, playing to keep his job though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, um, then we get to number five, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they don't need a quarterback. They they already got their their quarterback, uh, in Joe Burrow. Where do you see them going? I can't think of the guy's name right now, but it's the smartest decision is the, the the wide receiver out of uh, Bama. No. Who do they got at wide receiver? The the wide receiver out of Alabama will not be the first wide receiver off the board. You don't think? Um, I guarantee it. I can't even think of his name right now. The Bengals are, I, I feel, are going to take Jamar Chase, wide receiver LSU. Uh, you, you look at the season and the chemistry that he had with Joe Burrow when they won that national title, and even with a new quarterback and the huge, huge turnovers that LSU had, 
Jamar Chase still had a damn good year. I think Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in this draft, hands down. Yeah, Devontae Smith was is yes, the wide receiver. Devontae Smith, yes. But no, I don't. Yeah, the first wide receiver off the board will be Jamar Chase. I'm I'm willing to bet. We'll see. I mean, I, I would go with Devontae Smith just because, you know, the dude catches everything. But as a NFL prospect, he is sorely undersized. Six one, I mean, yeah. He's yeah, he is undersized. Although the average receiver in the NFL right now is six foot. But look at just not only height, but look at build. He's very, very slight build. Um and I just feel that Jamar Chase is a better talent. And I mean with these two receivers, there's not really an argument there because you feel Chase, I feel Smith. They're close enough. I mean, it's whoever. I mean, I wouldn't mind having either one of them. I, I just um, think the familiarity between Burrow and and Chase will be the deciding factor there. I I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I, I think that's why I think Jamar Chase will be the the first wide receiver off the board. Do you have him going to Cincinnati? Yep. Okay, yeah, so Jamar you were, Chase to, to you were thinking wide receiver too, then. Yeah, so. Jamar Chase to Cincinnati. Yeah, I just think with Cincinnati, they they can go wide receiver, and then then they have to get some offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, so. Um, so. The the definite winners of, of this off season is Miami. Uh, because. They traded out of the number three spot down to twelve, for you know for all those picks that they got from the 49ers. Um, and then the Eagles traded their number six and their number one fifty six to the Dolphins for twelve, one twenty three, and a first in twenty twenty. <coughs> so essentially, you know, the the Dolphins. Got all those picks from the 49ers to move back to 12. Moved up to 6 because they feel that they can still get their guy that they want at 6. Offensive tackle, right? Yeah, that's what I think so, yeah. Uh, but we'll get... We'll, don't jump ahead. That's for next week. I was just saying that's what the that's what they need. But, you know, they, they went back to 12, then up to 6, and still came out with extra picks because of all the picks that they got from the 49ers. So... I think the definite winners of this offseason are the Dolphins. Right, and because they're going to get the guy they wanted all along. Right, because sitting at number three, they weren't going to take a quarterback. No, they had no intentions. And they know how many quarterbacks are going to go in those first few rounds. So why not drop back a few spots Right, and get who we want? Collect some extra picks and come out smelling like roses. You know, because, yeah, some people are like, oh, the 123rd pick, that's not very impressive. Just remember what what pick Brady went. Yeah, there there you can get very very good value guys in late in the you know second third fourth round. And the thing is with this is even for the Dolphins, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, can't get ahead of myself because now I'm all excited just thinking what they can do with this draft board. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, it, it's there. There's definitely a, a lot going on. You know, moving pieces, uh, and the Dolphins are definitely winners. Um, they, they did everything they needed to, got extra picks, moved back, and are still going to get 
the guy that they wanted. Yeah. So. Um, so let's talk about the NBA a little bit because at this point, it's it's almost becoming not fun to watch. This is why it sounded, you know, a little out of you know lost when we started this. Tell me again what you said about about the Nets. Brooklyn. Hold on, time out. I'm just going to remind everybody. Scotty is an L.A. Dodgers fan. Yeah. Now continue. Brooklyn, it, they have six fucking all-stars. You know, mm-hmm. the, their entire starting five is all-stars. It looks like looks like a kid got a hold of his mom's credit card and was buying players for his my team on NBA 2K. No, what it looks like is the Dodgers bullpen. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But but there's there's enough talent in baseball that you can it's still watchable. We don't know, you know, you can't say, "Oh, well, the Dodgers are a lock." Well, honestly, but, I can say that. I think this year should just be exhibition games. Just give the damn, you know, World Series to LA and let's have some fun this baseball season. But, um, yeah, Brooklyn is just stupid. I. But the thing is, is the best thing that's going to happen to this is they're going to make it to the finals and they're going to play a team that is good with defense. I mean... You take the top three teams in the West and put them up against the Nets, all three of them destroy them. Utah would would destroy them. Lakers, once you get LeBron and AD back, would destroy them. And so would the Clippers. Yeah, it's... It's just ridiculous. I mean... I mean... James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, like... Yeah, it, it's crazy, and that's why they're scoring, you know, 112 points or whatever their average is a game. It, uh, but once they come in and they start seeing a defense, you know, they're going to remember why they're good in the East. LeBron found out why he was so dominant in the East. I mean, I don't know. It, it's just... It, it makes it almost unwatchable for me because it's just, I don't know. You, you shouldn't have six fucking all-stars on one squad. Shouldn't have six of the top pitchers on one squad. <laughs> but there's a difference between... I know, it's just, it's funny. It'd be like a Yankee. I would do the same thing if a Yankees fan was complaining about this. No, see, the... the the thing with that is you can only have one pitcher on the mound at a time. With this, you have five all-stars on the floor at the same time. That's my point. It's no different than, you know, the 90 bowls. It's huge difference. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr. Yeah, I get that, but they weren't all... All stars like that, like they're damn good. They were damn good players, but it, it wasn't. What happened to guys wanting to 
be competitive and you know actually have to work for a championship and have be have it be their team. Now it's oh we're all just gonna go to the same team and just you know do you know what it take is, the easy road. What it is and honestly is the amount of money you win for winning the championship. Yeah, I think that will, I think that makes players chase it a lot. You know, if you would take away that money, because I can guarantee you, all Jordan ever got for winning the national championship was probably a couple thousand dollars in a new car. Yeah, I and just, it wasn't no brand new caddy either. So, I would love to see this all sports get back to not about the money. Yeah. You know, when we were kids growing up watching football, you never saw a quarterback. Joe Montana would never set a game out because he was holding out for a better contract. No, no. Um, you know, the the Lakers added a nice piece in Andre Drummond. Yeah. Uh, we, we needed a big man. You know, Mark Gasol just wasn't getting it done. But and the dude is old. Yeah, and, and you know, he... Understood, and he's okay, you know, transitioning to the bench. So I, I think once uh, LeBron and AD come back, I think Drummond will fit in real nice, real, real nice. And you know how nice it is to have Gasol as your backup there? Right. Um, but I don't know. It, just I don't know. It, it's just hard for me to look at the Brooklyn and just not think that's no fun. Um, you know, they're they're Brooklyn has got their way up to to number one in the East. No surprise with all those guys. But yep, like but the Sixers are right behind them. Where I the mean, hell are the Celtics? The Celtics are two games under five hundred. That's where they are. I know but like that is the biggest shock to me. I don't care about the Nets being where they are. How did the Celtics fall off so much from last year? I don't know. Who the hell? Like, who did they lose? Oh, did the Lakers, by the way, get Rondo? No, Rondo went to the Clippers. Oh. I know they. Were, I know it was between the Lakers and. No, because we. He went to after he left us last year. He went to. Uh. uh Shit, I don't remember. Um, but now he's with the Clippers. He's with the, uh, he, he got traded for, to, to the Clippers. Um, but, yeah, o- over in the East, I mean, you got Brooklyn at 33-15, and 15, Sixers at 32-15, and 15, so they're they're right there. And, and at this point, the, the Sixers have dropped two in a row. So, you know, that's why Brooklyn has jumped up. Uh, the Bucks have lost three in a row. They're at 29-17. and 17. So you got your top three teams that are, you know, right there, and, and then in fourth you got the Hornets at twenty four and twenty two. You know, your fourth through eight teams are all hovering around five hundred. Yes, they know South. <laughs> you know, and, and then you look over in the West, and you got Utah at thirty six and eleven. You know, winners of seven straight. You got the Suns at thirty-two and fourteen, uh, the Clippers at thirty-two and seventeen, uh, the Lakers at thirty and seventeen. You know you got to go outside of the, the outside of the playoffs. You know down to ninth before you, you get a team that's sub five hundred. 
I mean, the West is clearly stronger than the East, except except for those top two, three teams. Am I seeing that right? There's only two teams in the West at all together that are below 500. No, 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 no. Uh, Warriors, Grizzlies, Kings, Pelicans, okay. Thunders, Rockets, and, and T Wolves are all under 500. But oh, okay. Yeah, it, all, all of our top eight are over 500, you know? Right. The, but, you know, save for, for the one or two teams in the East, the East is garbage. Yeah, and again, I'll go right back to what's going to happen once the Nets see defense. And, you know, with the, the Lakers sitting in fourth at 30 and 17, I'll I'll live with that, you know, without LeBron and AD for the last couple of weeks. I'll live with it. You know, I'm good with it because that tells me that we we have a good core behind them. So when they do come back, we'll just be that much better. I'd I'd much rather, and this sounds kind of like bullshit, but I'd much rather watch the Lakers fall to fifth, and that's where they enter the playoffs at. Because at fifth, they'll be on the bottom of the bracket. With two and three instead of number one. Yeah. Um, I mean, because sitting at four, we'd have to play Denver. Right. I, I wouldn't like that. Uh, we've seen Denver in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs last year, you know. But again, you know, we're, we're doing all this without AD and LeBron. Right. I mean, and that's why I'm not worried. Uh, that's why, in my mind, I'm thinking of, where would be the best position for the Lakers to go in at? Right. And to see Jazz last would be the best bet. Yeah. Um, but, no, I... I definitely think that the West is where the, the, the championship will stay for at least a couple of years. It's just, who's going to take it in the West this year? You know, that that's the West is a dogfight. You know, and, you know, as much of a dogfight as it is, that might play into the hands of the East. We might beat ourselves up to the point where the East is like, well, look, now you're all wore out. We're just going to swoop in and take it. Possibly. Um, But, no, the the West is definitely stronger, in my eyes anyway. Um, We have uh, opening weekend of baseball coming, and... Right now, the, the odds-on favorite are, of course, the Dodgers. But it's not a far-and-away gap, like, like everybody thinks. Um, Yet. Let's remember where they were, where the season ended last year with the Dodgers. Like, they were doubling every team. Um, like, the Dodgers, I talk about their bullpen all the time. But I think, I think the way they swing their bats is way more impressive than that bullpen. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we when we got guys like Mookie Betts and um, Justin Turner and uh, Cody Bellinger and, you know, guys that, that they're, they're ridiculous. Guys, you think about walking, but you can't walk because you already walked the last three batters. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the Dodgers are sitting at the odds-on favorite right now. No surprise. But, like I said, it, it's not... A complete blowout for them. Right. I'm just excited because the Mets will be better this year than they were last year. Um, that's not saying much. 
fuck off. But, you know, they, they made some good moves this offseason. They picked up some good players. So I'm, I'm excited I'm excited for baseball. Um, I've already told myself I'm going to watch a lot more baseball. And if the Rockies open up that damn stadium, I'm going to a baseball game. I You know, I, I, I thought about that too, and I, I'll definitely take you up on that. Go catch a, a you know a Rockies Dodgers game. Rockies Dodgers, you know, there's a lot of Rockies games. I also want to ch- catch a bit hockey game too. Um, we are down to the the final four over in uh, college, and the we got UCLA playing big boy basketball. Uh, I mean. Who expected an 11 seed to, to be there, you know? I don't know. I'm excited because, and you can go all the way back, I've been with Gonzaga since day one, and they're still going. Uh, they have a tough game coming up, though. Yeah, we got Houston Baylor as the one and two seeds, um, and then we, we got number 11 UCLA and number one Gonzaga. I'm calling it's going to be Gonzaga Baylor. Uh, Gonzaga's a, a double-digit favorite. They're 14-point <coughs> favorites. Um, if it, UCLA's been playing as the underdog this whole this whole tournament, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, right now, Gonzaga's at 30-0. and 0. I mean, they've been playing damn good ball. That's why they are the, the number one overall seed. Um, I think... I, I think it's going to be a Houston-Gonzaga final. You think Houston will beat Baylor? I I do. Um, I Baylor got hot at the right time. They they did, but Houston plays really good defense. And, and you know the, and it's gonna be a good game. It's it's out of these two games, it's definitely gonna be the one to watch. Yeah, uh, I I'd love to see UCLA beat Gonzaga just because back the pack. Right. Uh, but... You know they they are our crosstown rivals, but. They're the only Pac-12 team left, so back to pack. Um, I, I, I'm impressed by the run that USC made uh, until they got blown out by Gonzaga. But, no, I was impressed by, by the run that they made, and maybe it's a sign of things to come. For, and, you know, and for USC, that all the, you can really expect is for them to you know, make it further and further. Because, right, they're not a basketball school. Right, before someone would be like, hey, you want to come play USC, basketball at USC? They're probably like, you guys have a basketball team? <laughs> you know, it's just like getting offered to play baseball at Nebraska. It's like, come again? Like, uh, right, wait, you guys play baseball? Um, but no, um, yeah, I'm going to go Houston and Gonzaga in the final. Uh, and I, I just think Gonzaga's too strong. I think they're going to end up taking it. I mean, you don't accidentally make it to 30-0. and 0. No. And you don't luckily make it to 30-0 and either. No. Um, you know, over in uh, on the women's side, uh, women's basketball doesn't get as much love as they should. I mean, they, they play pretty good ball, too. Um they got three of their number one seeds that made it to the final four. South Carolina, Stanford, UConn, and then number three seed, Arizona. That Arizona and UConn game, it's going to be a dogfight. Um, I I think it's going to come down to Stanford and UConn. They've been 
the two powerhouses in, in women's college basketball over the last couple of years. Um, but that South Carolina team ain't no slouch either. They, they've been real, real tough. I just think Stanford's too much for them at this point. And, and the girls bracket, I actually had Stanford being in UConn in the finals. I, I could see it. I, I just think that Arizona-UConn game is going to take its toll on them. Yeah, I, I can definitely see it. Uh, you know, UConn has struggled with Stanford in the past. But, you know, Gina Ariama is the, I, I guess... Phil Jackson of the 90s in the NBA. He just reloads more talent, and he's damn, damn good at what he does. All he does is win championships. Yeah, and I mean, UConn, like, how many did they win? Like, they had had that team that went, what, like, 79-0? and Yeah. Yeah, they're ridiculous. But I do think it's going to come down to Stanford and UConn, and I would not be surprised to see Stanford win it. But, you know, we we got a lot of stuff to look forward to. Um... Next week, we are going to do our uh, top five linebackers. Um, there's quite a few quite a few good linebackers. Yeah. The linebackers is a solid position this year, you know, along with safeties. Um, I don't think we've got to the safeties nope. yet, but we will. Um, but, yeah, linebackers is going to be exciting. We've still got linebackers, edge rushers, and safeties. No love for the D-tackles. If we got time, we'll get to it. It's okay. I played D tackle. I know what D tackle is all about. We are to make the linebackers look like studs. Interior linemen never get any love. No, because we're supposed to take on two or three blockers, so the linebacker has a free hit. Right. Uh, But no, so we'll get to linebackers next week. We'll get to uh, six through ten on our mock draft. And not nearly as boring on those picks. No, no. I think we'll, we'll vary quite a bit on those. It's not going to all be quarterbacks either. Right. So we'll get to that next week. Uh, so be sure to uh, to listen in for that. Uh, I appreciate you guys being here with us this week. And uh, Alan, I appreciate you being here. Also, I want to throw out, if you guys think we're way off on any of our picks, leave a comment. Oh, absolutely. We will definitely take it up. And, you know, if it's smart, we'll talk about it. And if not, we'll make fun of you. So, you know, leave comments. Tell us if we're way off, if someone, you know, made a stupid and if you're, pick. if you're passionate enough about your argument, hell, we'll even have you on the show. Right? I mean, everybody likes a good sports debate. Do not come at me with Daniel Jones, though, because he is not a sleeper. <laughs> but we will uh, We'll catch you guys next week. Uh, for Lazy Boy Coaches, I'm Scott. I'm Alan. We'll see you guys later.